Hello, I'm Pastor Phil Mentor. I'm the lead pastor of Harvest Worship Center. On behalf of myself and our congregation at Harvest Worship Center, we would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. This is a podcast of our Sunday morning celebrations that take place every week at 10.30 a.m. We would like to invite you to come and join us in person sometime. We are located at 456 4th Street in Tryon, Georgia. We now pray that you are blessed by the Word of God today. Thank you again, and we hope you will enjoy this week's message. If you would like more information about Harvest, please visit us on Facebook and Instagram or at our website at tryonhwc.com. And uh, we need to discover that. That doesn't mean that I don't follow the word. I think I had someone ask me that once. You teach they don't have to follow the word. No. As a matter of fact, I found that you, you learn to follow the word not out of obligation but out of love for the one who. There's a difference uh, when, you know, I remember growing up, I, I, I would do what mom and dad said based on fear of punishment, not out of love. Come on. Uh, and, and when I discovered that I loved them and that I wanted to do things that pleased them, I didn't obey out of fear. I obeyed out of love, and there is a mighty difference in that. And so, again, um, we, we need to move forward with that. Last week I talked to you about how, do we, need, how we needed to focus uh, how to have focus in a selfie-driven world, that uh, we have a, a world consumed with self, we have a world that is all about self, and how breaking that cycle within the body of Christ is something that is difficult to do because the, the world has bled over into the church quite a bit, and because we have lost our influence in a lot of ways. Um, I, I shared uh, Wednesday night with my class uh, just an old, uh, an old illustration, are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? Um, um, that is a great little illustration that H.E. Uh, Carden shared with me back when I was in youth camp as a kid. I remember, you know, it's amazing, some things stick with you, and I remember him sharing that, that we, we can be a thermometer affected by those we're around. In other words, when we're around Christians, we're Christian. Come on. When we're around the world, we're like the world. Or we can be a thermostat and we can set the environment because I'm going to tell you something. This cold world needs to be warmed up by the fire of the Holy Spirit burning burning real in our lives. Amen. And so that is what we're challenged to do. So that let's fast forward to today. That whole message was about uh, taking up your cross, following Jesus, self-denial, um, and, and how, uh, again, you could preach those words, but following those words is a little bit more difficult. Amen. Uh, how how many of you self-denial comes easily? Okay, how many's ever tried to diet? All right, enough said. Enough said. Self-denial. Um, starting this year, I'm going to actually, I love it. Um, uh, I read a, a statistic the other day, and it said that uh, er, uh, 9 out of 10 Americans, adults, will make a New Year's resolution, and uh, 9 out of 9 of those, or, or 9 out of 9 of the 9 will not follow through with it. So um, I don't know if that's true, but, but how many of you have ever said, starting this year, I'm going to do things a little bit different, and that lasts maybe a week or two and maybe a month. You might even have the tenacity to make it into February, uh, but again, uh, we tend to, to fall short on those, and I'm here to tell you, we don't need a resolution in our life for God. We need a revolution in our life with God where he takes over and he is, he is real in us. So today I want to talk to you, and, and I'm kind of revisiting a topic that, I, that, is, that is hung with me, oh, oh man. It's been with me for years, and it is. Uh, there's a wonderful little book, tiny little book, by a guy named C.J. Mahaney called "The, the Cross-Centered Life: uh, Keeping the Main Thing, 
the main thing, and it's just a wonderful, challenging little book, and you can pick it up on Amazon, I think, for like three bucks, so there's a free plug to C.J. Mahaney. Next book I get free if he's watching, so anyhow, um, but it's a wonderful little book, and it's a challenging little book, and it talks about that when we get lost in this world, that it's so easy to get lost. Any Christian ever get lost in the world? I'm not talking about lost in sin. I'm talking about lost in life. You're you're busy. You've got kids involved. You've got work. You've got school. You've got all these things that are occupying our attention and occupying our mind, and it's hard to keep the main thing the main thing sometimes. And I'm here to tell you, when we all, when we lose our way, and we feel like we have no, no direction in our life, um, and this is the point he makes in the book that is so just true and real, and we're going to base this morning's message off of that thought, the main thing, the main thing, a cross-centered life, but run back, he says, the cross is the compass of the Christian life, and when all else fails, run back to the cross. When when all else don't feel like not working, I, my prayers don't feel like they can get to, you know, to the ceiling, I, I don't feel like, you know, I feel like I'm the worst Christian that's ever walked this earth, and you know you you're not out here doing a lot of sinful things, but you feel a disconnect. Anybody ever been felt a disconnect from God's spirit? You just feel like, I don't feel his presence. I don't feel, the, I, I don't, I'm not where I want to be with God right now. I don't feel him the way I ought to feel him. I'm here to tell you that is when we have to go back to the beginning. We have to go back to the cross of Calvary. We have to go back where we first met him and fell in love with him and allow the power of the Lord to come over us once again for the joy of the Lord. Amen. The salvation of the Lord, the strength of the Lord is always found where we first started and that's on our knees at the old rugged cross realizing this is where my direction for life is found. And if you amen faster, we will eat lunch quicker. Amen. That's how this works. So we want to keep the main thing, the main thing. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. Excuse me. We'll share. I'm going to share a few verses with you this morning. We'll, we'll share excuse me, we'll share uh, through probably verse uh, verse 8 today. But he goes on verse 1 and he says, and when I came to you, the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, when I came to you, brothers, uh, did, not co- did not come proclaiming to you uh, the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided, verse 2, to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my my speech uh, and my my message were not in uh, plausible words of wisdom, but in de- the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that the fa- that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Oh, that's beautiful, is it not? Uh, you, you need to really soak that one in. Yet among among the mature, we did we do impart wisdom, although it is not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Let's go back to verse 2. For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul is saying, I have decided to keep the main thing the main thing. And I'm here to tell you, 
you, there's so much division in the body of Christ. There's so many people that claim this and they claim that and my doctrine's better than your doctrine and my faith is better than your faith and, and mine's, my truth is better truth than your truth. And I'm here to tell you God is so sick of us boosting of our team and trying to proclaim this is the right way and that is the right way. I think God is looking for some believers that will stand up and they will quote this as their hearts cry for I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm here to tell you I believe, no we might not be 17 will take place before Jesus comes. We will be one. No we might not be gathered under one church name in this world. We may not all agree with one another but I'm here to tell you I believe believers in every faith that are deciding I'm tired of this and I'm tired of that. I have decided to keep the main thing the main thing to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified I'm here to tell you if we can't come together at the cross we'll never come together but Jesus said what that they may be one Lord as we are one I'm here to tell you if Jesus prayed it it's going to happen how are we made one we're not made one by our excellent doctrines and our interpretations of scripture we are made one through the blood and the fellowship and the sanctifying power of Jesus Christ I may not know where you are or where you've come from but I'm here to tell you every one of us had to go to the same cross and find the same forgiveness and have the same blood that was shed by Emmanuel Christ Jesus wash away the sins of our lives because I but aren't you full of us in this room including the one preaching was destined for hell but aren't you thankful today we can stand and say we are the sons and daughters of Jesus Christ washed in the blood amen adopted in the family this is supposed to be calm today got visitors to be dignified I wore my good I wore my good suit for you uh, if I'm wearing a suit there's a coffin in the room <laughs> for I've decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified when Jim came to me and said, I have something I feel like I need to share with the church, and he began to tell me what he felt like he needed to share, I, I couldn't help but grin because I knew what I was about to speak on today. I knew what I was about to share. And what was he saying? He's saying, isn't it time that we push everything aside and start keeping the main thing the main thing? When Jesus is the main thing, it's not about me anymore. I'm not the main thing. My family's not the main thing. You say, oh, but our family's supposed to be. I'm here to tell you, you and I don't know how to take care of our families. I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know how to be a good father. But I'm here to tell you, when I keep the main thing the main thing, I do what I should do. I'm the good husband I ought to be. I'm the good father I ought to be. The good mother you ought to be. Come on, church. When we put Jesus first, everything else falls in place. Look at somebody and say, keep the main thing the main thing. Oh, come on now. If you're visiting, you've got to help me preach or we don't get out of here to eat in time. Look at them and say, look, I'm going to beat First Baptist to gyms. <laughs> Pastor done said he got to baptize people. Y'all amen the man. <laughs> I mentioned we like to have fun in church and it's not a sin. Come on. I think people ought to see us leaving the house of God laughing. I think God laughs a lot at me. Has to laugh to keep from crying. <laughs> Get a load of Phil. Isn't he hilarious trying to follow me? <laughs> Good thing he's got you, son. 
Listen, folks. There have been many times I have lost my way. And I have went back to the place where I first found my way. Come on. Anybody ever been backpacking or hiking? What's one of the rules if you get lost? You do what? You retrace your steps. You go back the way you came. Till you find a familiar reference point, And then you continue your journey the right direction. Some of us, we just keep on trucking spiritually and we're getting more and more lost and more and more away. I'm here to tell you, God's saying, hey, wait a minute, stop, slow down. Come back to where you first found me. Come back to that first mark on the trail when I first showed you the path that leads to life in me. And, and let's start walking together. I, I don't know, sometimes I think that, that the Lord looks at us, I'll pick at me, looks at me sometimes and, and he sees me just going in many different directions. God ever look down and see you doing that? Pew, this way, pew, this way. And he's like, what is he doing? I can't talk to you, God. I'm out here serving you. And he's going, wait, slow down, stop. You forgot what's important. And that's the fellowship you have with me. You have forgotten And you got caught up in things that that you think are pleasing to me and you have lost the realness of a relationship with him. You forgot what it means to love people the way that you ought to love people. I love people, God. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. You're loving them the way you love them instead of me loving through you because your love will never bring them to salvation. But my love through you can bring them to me. Are you following what I'm saying? His love can work a miracle in people's lives. Yes, amen. So again, keeping the main thing, the main thing. This restores our focus. This is what Paul was saying to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was a wreck. I mean, people think churches today have problems and they're like, oh, if we could just be like the early church. Have you read about the early church? It was a mess. It was a wreck. And Paul wrote a couple of letters to the Corinthians to try to straighten out the mess that they were getting involved in. Why? Because they got caught up in a thing called preacher religion. Well, I can tell you now, Apollos is my man. I can tell you, no, Paul's my guy. Well, no, one of these others, that's, my, my, that's, who, that's who God's speaking through. And Paul is writing to correct it and say, listen, you've got caught up in the worship of men instead of the worship of the one who died for you. So I've made up my mind. No more am I going to try to instruct you this way or that way. I'm telling you, I've made up my mind to know nothing but Jesus and him crucified. I've made up my mind to tell you that the main thing is what you've got to get down first before you can build anything on. I'm here to tell you if we're going to do something for God harvest it will not be because we have excellent programs or excellent youth ministry or excellent children's ministry or women's or men's ministry it will be because we have built on the foundation of the old rugged cross and everything we do leads people to Jesus and the saving grace of him if it doesn't lead to Jesus we don't need to be doing it Because all we're creating is a social club. I'm here to tell you, if you go to church and you never leave there with your toes hurting, you need to find a church. 
And I'm talking the ones here. Find you somewhere else where the gospel's preached. Neither, and I'm going to go a step further. If all you ever do is leave with your toes hurting, there's two things you either need to do. Repent over the things God's telling you to repent of or but love abounds. Amen? There has to be a balance between truth and love and all those good things. Look, but I'm here to tell you, you can't overdo one or the other. There has to be a good balance. Because the truth without love will kill somebody. Amen? Well, how is the Bible described? The Bible's described as many things. It's the Word of God. It is the Word made, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, well, the Word's about Jesus. Amen? He says, I'm the Word. I'm the bread of life. But there's some things we, that we have to discover, church. Are you ready? Some things that we need to understand. The Bible's also called a two-edged sword. It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides even, does more than just cut through flesh and bone. It says it divides into the very soul of who we are. Now, for instance, if you were, have been saved in this room somewhere, the word was proclaimed to you of Jesus, and it pierced more than just your thoughts. It pierced into your soul, and you realized, I need Jesus as my Savior. And when you come to that realization, that is the word piercing to the soul. And, I, and, and some that's been with me a while know this phrase, but I prayed a long time ago, you can be a lumberjack or you can be a surgeon. Anybody ever been in a church service with a lumberjack preaching? They can take this book and hack you to bits. Just pain everywhere. Just whack, chop you to bits. I don't want to be a lumberjack. I want to be a surgeon. How about you? I want to be skilled with the Word of God. I want to, I want to be a workman worthy of his hire, as the Bible says. I want to study to show myself approved. I want to use the Word to show people, hey, God came not to hurt you, but to restore you. Amen? Amen? How many like that commercial where the, where the surgeon's coming in to see the guy, and they said, have you worked with Dr. So-and-so before? He's Okay. Nobody wants that. Come on. Hey, guess who just got reinstated? No, you don't want that. <laughs> I feel like that somehow, sometimes in church it's that way. But I'm going to tell you what God's longing for. God's longing for us to be in a place where we have been alone with him. Come on. And when you've been alone with him, it's going to show. When you've been in his presence, it's going to show. I'm here to tell you God is ready to do some liberating in some people's lives, but he can't do it through us going through the, word and the motions of worship and the motions of preaching and, and let's get my three points and my challenge in and let's go home. I'm here to tell you God wants to use his word to pierce into our lives so that he can heal what is wrong. I don't know if you're in this room today hurting, but Jesus wants to use his word to operate on your spirit and bring healing to you because a skill surgeon can bring healing. Amen? Amen. Now if you'll turn with me to Romans, the third chapter, if you have your Bibles. I want to read a few verses from there before we go on. Romans, the third chapter. My Bible's stuck in Corinthians. Let me go. There we go. Romans, the third chapter. Let's go to about verse 21. I want to read to you some more words from this Apostle Paul. He says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, 
the righteousness of God through the faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And I want to stop right there for a moment. Now, that's a lot of words. Now, I'm going to break it down to you, what Paul was saying. Paul said, for every one of us have had to come to the same place and and, and we've had to kneel before the same Jesus and we've had to take the same treatment for the sin problem in our life. No one is immune. And I'm here to tell you, I used to sit and I would listen to preachers preach and I would think, man, if only I could have that kind of life that never had problems because it seemed as if they were not even flesh and blood. Anybody ever been there? It seemed as if they never struggled with anything. But I'm here to tell you, the more I read about the Apostle Paul, the more I see that he was very, very open with what he struggled with. As a matter of fact, if you want to look into Romans 6, 7, and 8, chapter 6, 7, and 8, Paul begins to bear his deepest, darkest secrets of his soul with the whole world. He says, the good that I would do, I don't do it. Anybody been there? Anybody ever set out to do good and know to do good and do the wrong thing? Right here, both hands. About six or seven of us, thank you. The rest of y'all pray for us. We set out to do the right thing, and the right thing seems to elude us. All right, Paul said, that good that I want to do, he said, oh, I want to do it so bad. The, the phrasing there in the original language is a deep longing to do the right thing. He didn't just think, I, I need to do the right thing. How many of you ever have said, I need to eat right, passing by the salad bar to your heart attack? Okay. I need, at least I pass by health food on my way to what I want. Okay. I need to do the right thing. Anybody. But you find yourself doing the wrong thing. Because doing the wrong thing is second nature. The flesh loves it, so it just falls right into it. Paul said, the evil that I wouldn't do, that I do, and the good that I would do, I don't do it. Okay? Now, I've heard this preached to the point that people say, see, Paul did evil, so I'm doing evil, so it's okay. No, Paul is not building towards a it's okay moment. If you read the entirety of the argument and, and him sharing his testimony, he's building to the point that he is a wretched person. Because he's walking through a living hell in his mind and in his spirit because he's torn between what is right and what is wrong and he really wants to do what's right but he can't seem to break the hold of the flesh that is, that is, that is binding his heart. Come on, folks. I'm telling you, this was real hurt, this man's sharing. He says, that good that I would do, I'm not doing. The evil that I would not do, I fall into it naturally. I fall into it. I, 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 I seem to just walk into it. Just I don't even, it's like breathing to me. Anybody ever been there? Doing the wrong things like breathing to me, doing the right thing. It's hard for me. He said, that evil which I wouldn't do, he said, that I find myself just doing. And he's going through this law of the flesh and law of the spirit and he's, he's building up to it in Romans chapter 3 where he's, he's getting too ready to spill his argument in the next few chapters but he's saying all of us had to come to the same cross all of us had to come to the same salvation 
Now keep that thought in mind as I walk you through this. So Paul gets to the point where if you read Romans 7, he is really whipping up on himself. I mean, he is beating him. He's saying, there is a law within me that wants to do wrong. There's something within me that just can't seem to be broken. The law of the flesh is powerful. And I've got news for you. Lightly pinch your neighbor. Don't make them scream. There you go. Did you feel that? That's called flesh. Every one of us are flesh. If you're not flesh, I'm out of here. Who's with me? I won't be in here. I, won't know. I ain't afraid of no ghost. Yes, I am. Only ghost that I'm afraid or have fear of is the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and it's a good, good fear. Let me just say this to you. We're all flesh and blood. Every one of us, that's what Paul's building to. Everyone in this room is flesh. And my friend, you will battle the flesh till the day you die. You can be set free of your sin, but you're still going to battle the flesh. All right? There's a bowl of fruit and there's a slice of cake. (laughs) Paul, that evil, I'm all over the evil. Give me the cake. Oh, wow. Seriously, how many of you? The good that I... Fried chicken or baked chicken? <laughs> oh, all you. I like it baked. Grilled. Y'all can do what you want, but if you don't dunk that bird and fry it, that's a sin. <laughs> Going to hell. A lot of it. Colonel Sanders is in heaven if anybody's there. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? It's like, The good that I would do, that I don't do. But the evil. (laughs) Now, if you go eat fried chicken and you went to church with them, don't go by and go, evil! (laughs) Pastor said so. You just eat that bird and enjoy it. If it's Chick-fil-A chicken, you can't get that on Sunday. But if it's Chick-fil-A, you could anoint with that oil. That's, That's godly oil. I thought of that because that was a joke that went on. Uh, some of you met my friend Jeff Jones and his wife, Kimmy. They were here to minister to us and their daughter, Courtney. Courtney has been in India, and she arrived home yesterday, and they were very excited to see their daughter. Amen. <laughs> Safe and sound, home from India, but heartbroken, torn, because she sees the faces of all the orphans that she's been ministering to. And uh, her plans are to go to school and I think return to India to live out her life. And I think that's her plans, if that's what the Lord wants. And we're all praying for her to hear the voice of God in that. So keep praying for Courtney. Um, she may come down and share a little bit with us for too much longer about her trip. But I thought about that because uh, <laughs> I got tickled. This is typical early 20s, okay? Uh, Grandma went to... Get them from the airport. Any grandmas in the room love their grandbabies? Give the Lord a praise for that. Come on. There you go. Well, grandma come in and she said, I'm going to take them girls anywhere they want to eat, get them the best steak in Nashville, Tennessee. They're going to eat good tonight. They get off the plane and she said, anywhere you want to go, girls, anywhere. And they said, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I knew they loved Jesus. So I thought of that. Sorry, 
rabbit. Paul is struggling. Paul is going through a battle, and he comes to the point where he says, I am a wretched man. He's looking in the mirror and self-criticizing. He's criticizing everything about himself down to his very soul. I don't know if you've ever been there. You don't have to raise your hand or bring attention to yourself, but I'm telling you, if you ever have had one of those soul moments where you're looking and you don't like what you see, you don't like what you're, you've been doing, you, you are condemned in your mind, you're condemned in your spirit, and you're thinking to yourself, God hates me. God doesn't even want anything to do with me. I've spit at the cross through my worldly actions. I have I have. I have done what I wanted to do and I have made a mockery of Jesus in my heart because how could I say I'm a believer and live and think and do? I don't know. Paul was having that moment, I believe, in Romans 7. But he comes to the end. He goes on. I want to read verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. Listen, the law of God in our minds is that good and pure thing that God says we ought to be doing. He says, I know the law of God, and the law of God says I ought not to be doing these things. I myself serve the law of God with my mind. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Do you hear and can you sense the battle going on, the struggle going on in this man? But aren't you thankful it doesn't end there? Because Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Jesus Christ from the law of sin and death. I refuse to look in the mirror and condemn myself anymore. I have been set free. If you've been set free in this room, jump to your feet. Give God praise. Give him acknowledgement. Amen. You can be seated if you can. For our God has done what the law, listen to him, verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by flesh could not do. I don't care how hard you try to obey the law, the word, you're going to struggle in the flesh to do it. I give you a good one. It's our theme today. How many likes to pray for their enemies? Oh, I love to pray for my enemies. Lord, let the fire fall on them and just, no. That's not what it's. Lord, deliver them, bless them. God, help them. God, save them if they need to be saved. Pray for your enemies. That's not easy to do. He says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh. That good that I would do, I don't do it. It's been weakened by the flesh. He goes on, could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Oh, my goodness. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. 
For who, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the things of the flesh is death. Are you hearing the warning? But to set the mind on the things of the Spirit is life and peace. What am I saying? God is ready for us, especially over the next next two weeks, to not focus on where the flesh is failing. For my flesh is weak. My flesh will fail me. But to set my mind, what is he saying? Focus my mind on the things of the Spirit. Focus my mind on the things of God. Focus my mind. How do I focus my mind? Some of us need to change our radio channel for the next two weeks. Some of us need to watch what we're watching for the next two weeks and maybe beyond that. Oh, it, yeah, I didn't know what I walked into. That preacher hates TV. Well, I'm in trouble because there's like three sinful things in my house hanging on a wall. No, I like television. But when television takes the place and takes my mind from focusing on what I need to, to, to heal the hurt in my heart, something's wrong. Listen, folks, I'm not, you walk up to my truck, now not during the 40 days of focus, you're liable to hear Def Leopard. Just, don't, just prepare you ahead of time. A little Bon Jovi every now and then. Some journey, all right? Some of y'all, your hearts are failing. I won't go no further. Lord. I like some music. But when I'm trying to focus on God, I need to get my mind on the things of God. And I'm telling you, that means I need to start tuning out the world so I can hear the voice of God. Because the one thing about God, the world's going to shout at you. God's going to whisper at you. Are you hearing me? He's not going to try to outshout the world in your life. He's going to talk to you calmly. Now let me tell you about my mama. She's going to watch this later, so I know I'm getting a call. Might as well just jump in. Let me tell you about my mama. My mama, she didn't yell a whole lot. She kind of built to a crescendo. You had to really, really push her. And mom would tell you calmly, you need to stop that. But buddy, if you ever got her to that point and she snapped on you, you could rebuke her in the name of Jesus. She was going to hurt you. She's like, I'll show you, Jesus. I'm fixing to let you see him face to face. So, oh, you poor thing. You must hear a lot of psychiatrists. <laughs> I told y'all I had a lady come to me once. I said something like that. She said, oh, that's awful that your parents punished you that way. I'm like, I made a preacher. What'd your kid make? Thank you. God is not going to outshout the world. If you want to listen to the world, he'll step quietly. And you know what I found? He doesn't stop talking. He just keeps whispering. So you tune out the world and you hear him and you're thinking, wow, it's about time I heard you. He says, it's about time you listen. Sometimes I've found that I've outrun God in my life. God shows me I want to do this. 
and I run towards it with everything I got. Anybody? All of a sudden, I'm running towards it, and God goes, hey, Phil, yes, Lord? Where you at, Lord? I'm way back here. Come on back. We're going to walk this walk together. Amen. And when it's time to run the race, we'll run it together. I think we've got the wrong idea about Jesus. We think Jesus is the coach. Standing on the sidelines. <laughs> about like me. I couldn't, if I dribbled down the court, I'd be in cardiac arrest. <laughs> but I can cheer you on, I can coach you. Jesus isn't your coach. He's the star player because he's already run the race and he's been successful at winning the race. Now he's running right with you and he's saying, keep pace with me and my son will make it to the end of the race. But you got to keep pace with me. And when I decide to slow the pace, slow the pace. When I decide to speed up, speed up. But you stay in step with me and we will win the race. Too many of us, we're out of step. We're either way behind or far ahead. And God's saying, stay the course with me. Run and step with me. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? That means that I am in tune with him and he is in tune with me and we are running a race known towards heaven together, not, not apart, not him here saying, here I am at the finish line, son. You can make it. No, he's saying, I've already finished and now I've come back to help you finish. Oh, no, he didn't. Yes, he did. He said, I've got to go, but I'm sending somebody back. When I go away, the comforter's coming. What is the comforter known as? The helper. What does a helper do? Does a helper stay on the sidelines and say, oh, you got it? No, he's in pace with you. For he will never leave you nor forsake you. Stand to your feet. Somebody say, keep the main thing the main thing. Those that are going to get baptized, if you need to change, you can slip out and do that and come back in if you would. Give these guys time. While they're doing this, I want to give a challenge to you. If we're going to succeed in all that God has for us in the year 2020, We cannot outpace him. We can't lag behind. But we as a people are going to have to stay in step with him. Now people who are in step with the Spirit know when to talk to people about Jesus and they know when to back off. But I'm here to tell you, if you're going to reach souls for the Lord, you're going to have to be in tune with the Spirit to do that. That means eventually you're going to have a conversation with somebody. You're going to open your mouth and you're going to talk about your faith. All right? Now, I want to encourage you. You shouldn't ever, ever do that till the Lord prompts you. But I'm going to tell you, if you've been friends with that person for 20 years and you've never been prompted or felt like you've been prompted, maybe you need to think again. Because I'm telling you, hell is real and heaven is real. And I'm going to tell you this. Some of us don't realize Jesus spoke twice as much about hell as he did heaven. Why? Because 
he realized the horrors of that place. And if you weren't ready, what was going to happen? So he warned twice as much as he told about the reward of heaven. I want to go to heaven. Anybody in the room? But I don't want to go by myself. I want to carry somebody with me. And we can't be afraid to have the conversation. We can't be afraid to have the conversation with our kids, our spouses, our brothers, our sisters in the flesh. In other words, those born in your family. But we sure can't shun the conversation with those people that have connected with us in life, friends and family. we got to connect with those people. And we can't be afraid to share the truth. we got to have the conversation. Amen? So how do I have the conversation? It is by getting focused on what God has. By getting in step with the Spirit. By listening to the heartbeat of heaven. Amen? That's how it happens. I want us to bow our heads all over this building. And I want us to begin to pray as we get ready for this part of the service. When, when we get ready, we'll ask everybody to be seated so everybody can see. But I wonder in this room, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, is there anyone in this room? Now listen to me. I'm not the kind of preacher to come grab you and drag you to the altar. I won't do that. But is there anybody in this room that says, Pastor, I've been listening more to the flesh than I have the Spirit and I'm ready to walk in the things that God has for me. I just want you to slip your hand up and put it right back down. Come on, there's others in this room. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to live that life. I want to run that race the way that I'm supposed to. I want to learn to keep the main thing the main thing. Is there anybody in the room? Some have raised their hand. There's others. Just slip your hand up. Put it right back down. I'm going to just pray a prayer over you right now. Thank you. There's others. Come on. There's others. I don't care if you're visiting with us. I can still pray for you. Amen. Keeping the main thing, the main thing. So I want to invite you to go to the cross. Guess who went to? Paul went to, John went to, Matthew went to, Peter went to, the cross that Bartholomew went to, Andrew went to. All of the disciples had to go to that same cross that you and I had to go to. I want to invite you there today. If you've been there before, I want to invite you back to rekindle the fire and the passion that you once had for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for each and every one that is here. I thank you, God, for your spirit of liberty in this room. And I pray, God, that before we leave this place today, that, Lord, we would keep the main thing the main thing. Lord, as we celebrate baptism today, as we celebrate this fresh start, that, Lord, these are, are stating, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just move in us like never before that we would hear your voice like never before. And Father, I pray, God, if there's anybody in this room, maybe they didn't even come ready to be baptized. If they're, Lord, they just want to go ahead and do it, Lord, that you'll just move on. That, Lord, we'll be obedient today. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Once again, we thank you for worshiping with us today. We would love to hear from you. If you were touched in any way by today's message, please let us know. You can find out more about us and even support our ministry with an offering at tryhwc.com. Thank you again for listening and worship.